calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to I'm Listening. This is a Frasier fan podcast hosted by number one Frasier fan, me, Anita Flores. Every episode, we have a special guest, and today is no different. Today, we have a comedian, an actor, a singer. Please welcome Larry Owens to the podcast. Larry, how are you today? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Um, I think this is the first time. That's not true. I think, but I think this is the first time I have somebody here that I haven't previously like really known mm-hmm. and like had you in person. Mm-hmm. So yes, I I um, famously asked to be on the podcast. You did, and I was uh, so honored. Uh, I uh, I've we've been on a show together. It was a long time ago, um, but yes, I'm a big fan of your singing slash comedy together, separate. Um, <laughs> so I have to ask, uh, how did you find out about this podcast? I'm on social. You're you you have right. a podcast. You're you're plugging it on social. Anything Fraser catches my eye, Amazing. if it, uh, and I'm particularly intrigued um, because it's a very small club of POC who uh, stand. <laughs> so you know that is really really special. It is very special. Um, I don't know if you actually saw the episode that I did with Rinka Shankar. Um, she's a, a writer director. She was, uh, works at college humor. We did an episode together, uh, in season one called why POC love Frasier. Yes. And, um, it has its own Reddit thread, okay. like, like a positive Reddit. Thread, Amazing. Which You're was, in Canon, which was shocking. Cause I always, I, I, I'm so scared of Reddit and all the horrible things mm-hmm. that might be on it. The but internet. people were like talking about it. There was like other people that were like me too. It was very exciting. <laughs> I love. So I have, so I'm curious. So you're a Frasier fan. Um, like what's your history how did you get into the show how old were you um so I like definitely remember it being in cultural zeitgeist growing up Mm -hmm. uh it was on television as I was a kid Mm -hmm. and it was not something that I tuned into Mm -hmm. but I I think like three like three or four years ago I was living in Baltimore in my homeland for like some time where like I was not like an active artist I was like Mm. understand I, I like I just knew that I needed to like have some family time and like really you know seal that up because I went to boarding school for Ooh. high school so like I wasn't really there and so I was like great I have some downtime I can like spend time at home but you know it it, it uh 
sucks yeah. <laughs> there. And so I I was like, oh, I'll just watch Frasier. Like it, it was all on Netflix. It was all there. Yeah. And I was like, let's do this. Like I like I I I responded immediately to the voice of the show. And and so I was like, great, I'm just gonna do this tops to tails. So did you start kind of getting into it? After it got on to Netflix, yes. Okay, so you're you're a bit of a late bloomer. Oh, hugely, yeah. Because you, well, are you in your twenties? I'm in my twenties. So young. I'm thirty one. Thirty one. I'm so much older than <laughs> That's you. That's not old. It's not old at all. Uh, I I always find it interesting when I meet people who started watching it as an adult. Yeah. Because I started watching it uh, while it was on TV, like in '93. Okay. I was like seven or eight years old. Okay. So I didn't even fully understand what was going on yeah i just thought who are these like kooky men that like are talking like they're british yes 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 and no. their father who was like somehow related to them yeah it didn't make any sense but i couldn't stop i know but it has a very intriguing sort of like entry point because like like even then like now like most of like the sitcoms are like here's a group of friends or here's a one family mm-hmm. unit and usually it's a nuclear family and it's sort of you know the kids are like uh, school age you know right. but the, here's like a family structure that is right. all male mm-hmm. that is uh, the mom's not present but there are women around like mm-hmm. it's it i feel like it there's so much that is intriguing about it for an outsider who like has no context mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it immediately stands out mm-hmm. and i feel like anything that like i feel like yeah like work that like stands out and like maybe like isn't like driven by like a romantic plot or like things like that like sure. actually become really special because of how much we're inundated with like that, that thing. So I feel like I, I get like flipping it. Cause like, it happened to me too. I would flip through the channels and like, I would see this and I would like, and, oh, and obviously the theme song iconic. <laughs> so iconic. I feel like the theme song was hugely iconic growing absolutely, up. And, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so, and you know, Kelsey was on, he was sideshow Bob. I'm trying to think of like, and like Niles. what was, and Niles. Wait, a sideshow Mel. The sideshow Mel. On the Simpsons. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So I feel like that's, yeah, I, I came into it in my, in my, Maybe I wasn't even in my 20s then, but I was like, yeah, but Netflix age. Netflix age. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite character? Ooh, my favorite character. I I mean, Lilith. Like, I just, okay. I, I love strong female characters. Love a Lilith. And I, I mean, Maris, like, just like the creation Absolutely. and like the execution of Maris mm-hmm. is just mm-hmm. like, it's the best. It's like, it really is. Honestly, like it veers on camp and uh-huh. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that like I try to keep in my work. Like the idea that like you can use language mm-hmm. and like are like sort of like stereotypes and prejudices like for good of yeah. humor. And I feel like that's what they do with that character. Yeah. And also like thinking of David Hyde Pierce, um, the woman who plays Lilith. BB Newer. Thank you. And then who do you know? Harriet Harris. I Harriet Harris all, as BB. They all have theater backgrounds. They all have theater backgrounds. And then watching the the show full way through, like I found like so many other like like mm. the like true like diehard Broadway like the mm-hmm. theatrical cameos and it's like oh yeah of course like you were going out in auditions in the nineties like for yeah. like TV and like of course you booked a role as Frasier's girlfriend Carolee Carmelo you know what I mean who was like just a Broadway woman who who did she, which girlfriend did she play there are so many like I don't even remember <laughs> I think actually no I think she's on the Halloween episode there's um there's a costume party episode is it the one where Roz finds out she's pregnant i think that's the one okay i think that's the one and i think that carolee carmelo who is tony nominated broadway actress she is uh she is i think the girlfriend for that episode well 
it is possible, as as we were talking about, I do have a freaky knowledge of this show. I, you might be talking about a different costume episode because the one that I'm thinking of, which is when Rouse finds out she's pregnant, Camille Grammer is the apple of Frasier's eye in that episode. Oh. That might be how he, they may have already been dating and that's how she got this. I I'm feel not sure. like that has to be where they met. <laughs> Perha- yeah, probably. I'm guessing. I have not seen her on Real Housewives or his work on the show either. I like to just <laughs> mostly keep him as Frasier in my head. Yeah. He's a, I mean, I, I do, I did an episode of this podcast um, reviewing his biography. It is so crazy. It is one of the craziest things that I have ever read. Truly. He is a, just a, just a pretty crazy person. Yeah. He's had a, he's had a tough life, but I do not support his political views. I'm just letting you know, I support Frasier, the character. Yes, yes, yes. And it's good. Sometimes it's good to like really, really be specific about what we like and why we like it. For sure. For sure. (laughs) This is not a conflated endorsement of (laughs) Kelsey Grammer's beliefs. Absolutely. Um, B.B. Glazer, the character B.B. Glazer is, is probably my favorite like character like not main character yes Shakespearean truly I mean just the way like like you just imagine like the writer's writing for Harriet Harris who like I mean her Broadway resume is just like so thick like and it's so full and like she draws like these like really really like obviously like large characters but Mm -hmm. she's able to get away with it because of the specificity because there's like like I don't think that when she when she's playing BB that it's like grotesque Mm -hmm, in her mind mm -hmm. I think that she's thinking like client this is my client this is like like this is my like commission like like i like i feel like like the honesty of like her her subtext is like get the best out of my client like allows her to like really 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 hit it i mean and just like the voice like that she has i'm a star (laughs) the voice uh those moments are the best her monologues like i i actually posted on her birthday because I knew she was on Twitter. I post, <laughs> she responds. She did respond. She's a responder. So Harriet, she's just in a dressing room somewhere. Just so Twitter excited. fingers. <laughs> I posted her monologue. She does when they're trying to get her to quit smoking. Yes. I mean, it's that is the, the epic episode. So, so great. And she like retweeted me. And then I was like, you want to do the podcast? I haven't heard back yet. But, you know, okay. I, hold out, I hold out hope. Okay. I did get Joe Keenan on this podcast. Okay. And that was an absolute dream. He's the coolest. Who else is on your wish list? Uh, Perry's on Twitter. David Hyde Pierce is on my wish list. Okay, David. David's theater. Again, these theater people, they're around. If we can just find a chorus boy from Hello Dolly to relay the message. I knew some comics that actually read at the Friars Club uh, his husband's play. And they did meet him. And like somebody I know sent me a picture of David Hyde Pierce. Okay. You're one degree away. (sighs) Yeah. I just need like, yeah. So David, if you're listening, I'm here, I'm in Brooklyn. Um, I can't offer you any money. Um, I'm also currently looking for a job, uh, but I can offer you uh, a nice conversation. (laughs) Yes. A really great time. (laughs) I can offer you a really great time. Larry really enjoyed meeting the dog that's in the studio. There's a beautiful dog here. It's wonderful. It's a really comfortable studio. It's It's aesthetically pleasing. And I think that you have a great time here, David. Thank you. Thank you for that plug, Larry. Um, so um, I wanted to uh, to bring you here today, uh, Larry, to talk about a topic I haven't really gotten into yet, which is this idea or ask, sort of answering the question, why do Niles and Frazier, why are they so desperate to belong specifically to this like higher class? Like there's definitely this sort of like elite, I don't know, like 
uh, sort of level that they're constantly trying to get through in various episodes of the show. I have a list of episodes we can also get into. Um, but do you ever, I guess, think about that? Or is that part of the appeal? It is part of the appeal for me is that they're yeah. so desperate to be in. Yes, I think that I've definitely like mirrored the stru- Like I like Frasier because that's how I identify. Like I like, I'm like a Frasier type where it's like, mm-hmm. it's like I come off as pompous and imperious and people like, you know, and even my, my behavior also helps this. Like it's <laughs> like I like, I've like set a standard for myself that like I'm dead set on executing and seeing through, uh-huh. but it's all brought about from this place of like deep shame of like mm. not having enough of like mm. growing up with lack of like mm-hmm. being like in my experiences in my shoes, like a marginalized person of size mm-hmm. of color of queer identity of a mm-hmm. low social class. And so it's like, I, I and like, I, I got, I got my Frasier like by, by coming from East Baltimore, which mm-hmm. like a television show we can link to that is the wire. Okay. And then like, and then to be like, you know, in sort of the 1% sort of fueled like environment that I was like, yeah, I was able to like assume the position of Frasier where Mm -hmm. it was like, Oh wait, if like, if this is who I am, this is like who I am. Mm -hmm. And so like Frasier, like gives me like a lot of release around Mm -hmm. that, around that idea that like it's authentic. It's not for you. It's for me. It's actually, I actually like these things. I don't like these things because Mm -hmm. they are classically seen as white. I like these things because this is authentically like, even when I was in East Baltimore, the things that I responded to and like, wanted to and the good thing about america one good thing <laughs> is that like you can sort of fulfill these things you can yeah you yeah. can we have the ability to when we have you know we have clearance to fulfill these things and so wow so like i've been fighting to like like penetrate more upper mm-hmm. echelons like to like stay and stay in them and, and also mitigating like is this really what i want like when did this start what did i even have a choice in it like mm-hmm. so it i mean this is so deep, but like it's this, this is so deep. And uh honestly, this is what I love about the show. Like, especially from your point of view. This is a very unique viewpoint. I've never heard anyone talk about it in that way. Yeah. In terms of how you relate. Yeah. It, Cause it was just like instant recognition. I was like, oh, look at these like posh people. Like, yeah, and yeah. it's like, that's how I see myself. It's like, I was like, why am I in the hood? Why don't we have shit? Yeah, yeah. It's why like, don't we have a wine club? Like, why don't we have shit? You know what I mean? Like, my version of the wine club is probably like a Broadway club or something, sure. but it's literally just as expensive. A bottle of wine, good <laughs> bottle of wine and a good Broadway seat, you know, same price. So Damn. it's like, you know, I could substitute my little things. And, you know, like, and I also had like the down to earth, like parents who mm-hmm. are like, mm-hmm. you know, who who like are proud of me, but like can't relate to me. Mm-hmm. And then like who I'm like proud of them, but like I can't relate to them. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, especially in high school, there was like a level of shame around like the person who I was presenting as on campus so that I could like hold social strata. So in order to hold social strata, I had to hide my socioeconomic or at least mm-hmm. silence it or like make sure. it invisible because if people thought that I didn't have the things that they had, they would not include me because they they felt bad because of their guilt. And I was like, don't spend time being guilty, bitch. I need to go and have fun. Mm -hmm. Invite me to the bonfire. And so when like it came to like my parents, like being on campus, like I was like so weird about it because Mm -hmm. like I did not want people to like, ask my mom like my mom is like like sweet and humble and does not code switch. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like she like, like the same, like how I use, is she the Marty? 
She's probably my Marty. Yeah. Okay, like how I use erudition to sway people. She actually doubles down on her, on her humility to sway people. Like mm-hmm. she was just here on Saturday. And so I was like, I had that sort of realization that like, oh, when I want to impress people, I like, I double down on like impressing them with how above I am. And like when my mom like wants to relate to people, like all she does is like reveal that like the authenticity of herself. Like mm-hmm. we're like, we're at the restaurant and she's just like, can I, you know what I mean? And like, and I'm like, I need, you know what I mean? It's so, it's like weird, like how much of that relationship in the show is like a part of my real life, even though I don't look like the characters. Like, you know what I mean? Like relating is relating. Like the human sure. experience is the human experience. And it's well-written. Wow. You've given me a lot to think about. Um, I think what's really interesting is like for me, and when I was actually talking to, um, when we, when I had the, when POC, why POC love Frasier episode, the the big thing that came up was for me, family, that whole sort of like family structure was what I related to, mm-hmm. which is like, I'm very close with my dad. Like he's like, you know, <laughs> my best friend. Um, and I often like that show combined with a show I do not watch King of Queens um, to me mm-hmm. is this lovely idea of like your dad lives in the garage. Also very popular or very common in Latin American culture to live with your family. Like I was just visiting um, my dad's side of the family in Peru in January. And like my two cousins who are sisters live in their father's house who passed away. They each live on a different floor with their families. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's just like normal (laughs) in, in, in non, uh, in many non-white communities, that is actually quite common. But what's so interesting is like in Fraser's life, it's, it's odd. Uh-huh. And yeah. and it's always like a point of like, huh? Like when he like, you know, brings women home. Having and to stuff. explain it. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. And like like the chair being like the symbol like of uh like their upbringing <laughs> that's just like he cannot remove. He cannot remove the stain of from. his upbringing. It's, it's yeah, it's or um, the badge rather not the stain, the badge of his upbringing. Right, right, right. All and all, by the way, everything that you've talked about and what I just brought up makes me think of I wish there had been a class. There were classes and I've I've seen it as time goes on through colleges where like there'll, there'll be an entire cl- like college class on a TV show. Yeah. There wasn't a Frasier one, but I think there should be. There should be. There's a lot to unpack here. I regret that when I did it, I found out and took the one that was available to me. I went to Brooklyn College. Uh, I took one on South Park, having not really seen the show uh-huh. and then realized like, oh, you can't take a class like that unless you actually like like the show. OK, that's what you learned. <laughs> but family dynamics, I feel like that could be a full hour in a lecture hall about oh, Frasier. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, then you have a, a domestic worker like there mm-hmm. like in the family structure. Like it's all a part of the family structure. Like and, that's right. And like there, there's so many family structures in America that like, I think that, yeah, like I said earlier, it's like we like instantly respond to that. Like, Oh, okay, great. Now that we're not seeing mom, dad, nuclear family, or like single working mom, or like, you know, mm-hmm. like the, like the, like the Mary Kate Nashley structure of like the like <laughs> handsome dad, dead mom. Like sure. <laughs> who doesn't love that? Dead- I mean, they honestly think about like every single Mary Kate, like they always killed mom. Why? I don't know. Why did they do that? Why is mom always dead? I was just, I, I this is something I've been trying to procure uh, on stage, which is the fact that like cancer is a, like is a dramedy, like it's a, it's Catalyst. a genre. It's no. a genre. <laughs> it's, I call it a cancer rom drum. No, 
cancer dramedy, essentially just a full, there are like five or six movies just off the top of my head I could list that are all centered around one person having cancer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You want to feel feelings? Yeah, exactly. Here it is. And the only way to do that is dead mom <laughs> or cancer. Yeah. Um, so actually speaking of dead moms, so the mom you never see her in the show except for when she pops up as Rita Wilson. I was like, it's Rita. It's, it's like, Rita. This, this was iconic. This was iconic. Now, I did, I didn't watch Cheers. However, I was encouraged to watch an episode with the mom when she was still alive on Cheers. There's okay. an episode with Hester, the mom. Hester. Oh my God. Have, have do you, have you seen Cheers at all? I, so like, I, like, I, so I definitely grew up like with like Cheers reruns and like, yeah. and like that theme song of Cheers. Used to make me cry as a kid, <laughs> like like just like the like like the chords and like there's like a yearning hopefulness about it. It's like sometimes you do want to go where everybody knows your name. It would make me weep as a kid. Wow. I don't know. It's a very nostalgic song. It's Absolutely. a very nostalgic song. It's wistful. It sounds like it was on the radio. Like yeah. it feels like it feels very of a moment. Like Absolutely. I and so yeah. So after I finished Frasier, I think I did go back and try to do Tops to Tails. Cheers. You know we love Shelley Long. Uh huh. Uh-huh. We die. <laughs> we die for Shelley Long. Like literally, we die for her. But like un- unfortunately, they don't find their groove until so far in. Yeah. That like I didn't really make it through. Oh, to answer your question, I didn't watch the only episodes of Cheers I've watched are ones like specifically where I was looking to like find another puzzle piece about Frasier. Yes. Where the writers were like, let's pick up on that. Right. So there is an episode that you should definitely watch if you haven't already watched it, where uh, Frasier introduces his mother, Hester, to Shelley Long's character because they're engaged. Okay, And his mother is psycho. Like she essentially is fits this image that you have of Frasier, which is he's upset. She's upset that he's going to marry like a bartender. So like when she, he's like out of the room, he, she's like threatening to kill her. And like, I, you know, I don't want you to see my son anymore. Like I'll pay you off. Like okay. totally crazy, okay. which is interesting. Cause like when you see the flashbacks of her, you don't, I don't get that sense of her. No, they re, they, they revamped that idea. They did. <laughs> but that was always something I thought about because I thought, why, how are Frasier and Niles so vastly different from their dad? It's like, they're from different planets, just like the things that they like. And I'm like, oh, it must be the mom. They get everything from it her. It doesn't, I don't think it necessarily has to be. I think that's like such a clean like way to write it off. Like yeah. from my personal experience, like my parents are Baltimore, the house down boots, like authentic. Like they are like, like Octavia Spencer and Sam Jackson, no Oscars. You know what I mean? Like they're just like, you know what I mean? Like the characters that like those two actors would play, like, you know, that they would be cast as and hired based on like stereotypes or types. Like those are the people that my parents are. And I love them for it now in my like, you know, adulthood. Uh But like, I, I literally just turned out this way. Like, and like no one in my family like is this way. It is just, like I think exposure to certain things. Yeah. I think exposure and inclination. Maybe like, sucking up culture. Yeah. Or this just culture like, specifically. Yeah, just the things that like you respond to. It's yeah. like, yeah, I just, I mean. Well, that's the the other thing I think about going back to why POC love Frasier. What's also very interesting is like, you know, my parents or like, especially my dad. It's It's interesting when I think of like, 
the fact that like, you know, he Frazier's not on his radar or he, it only is because he'll like watch reruns with me. I actually mm. had him as a guest on my podcast last week. It was very charming. Oh my God. He has a very thick accent, which is very, another very funny thing. I'm watching Pen15 right now. Okay. I don't know if you've seen it. Hulu. I'm obsessed. I'm absolutely obsessed People with that show. People are dying for Pen. But what's so funny is like, like for me, my dad, in my mind, never had an accent. He has a very thick accent. Yeah, it is yeah, yeah, unmissable. Yeah. But when I was growing up and people would be like, wow, your dad has such a like thick accent. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, <laughs> I can't hear it. I don't know what you're talking about. So I don't know where I'm going with this stream of thought. It's mostly going back to what you said, which is like, I'm so different from from my dad. So maybe I just answered my own question. Yeah, which but, is like, like, but we're allowed to be. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that like when parents like give permission or like give space to their kids to like be who they are, then like you can really be like whatever you, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. sky's the limit, you know? It's like, I think that it's really like a very television-esque trope that mm -hmm. kids like, like a family unit is like so homogenous mm -hmm. when really there's like huge variance within those structures. And, and I think that like even just generation to generation, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, I don't think that there's like an answer for it. I think that mm -hmm. these, I mean, I like, I think it's special that like that they get to share it, that Niles and Fraser get to share like their interests and that they like are on the same page about it. It's like, sure. I had to go outside of my family unit to find that sort of simpatico mm -hmm. and even further to find people of color with like, or f from my socioeconomic background that shared the same things. But like, yeah. I think it's special and maybe makes it even more rarefied seeming that they're like you have two in one family Absolutely. and that they're kind of like a match set <laughs> truly truly like a match set like uh one of my favorite episodes is when they're trying to plan a dinner party and then they're fighting over the guest list they try and blackball people they get in a fight over this this bowl that they've tried to blackball everyone uh and then at some point during that episode somebody left a message on their machine being like, they're, they're very odd or something like as, <laughs> as if they're like a couple. Um, so I've actually just made a new connection in my head. We're talking about dying to belong, but now I'm realizing separately from dying to belong, which is like a constant theme in the show. I've, there are episodes I'm thinking of where they're dying for Martin's approval as oh, well, which yeah. is so interesting because they are these like polar opposites. But like, I remember there was an episode where they all go fishing together uh -huh. and the whole episode is like Frasier basically saying like, I've never heard my dad say, I love you yeah. and I need to hear him say it. And yeah. they like really get into it. Yes. So that's to me, that's another way. That's another way of dying to belong as oh, in completely, completely. And like always searching. I, yeah. I feel like that's there. Like uh, there's earlier on, there's an episode where they end up accidentally being the investors that are going to knock down uh, Martin's like bar, yes. like his, you know, his dive. <laughs> and so he, either in that episode or a different one, they bring, Martin brings them to the bar and it's like very, in a very exciting moment for yeah. them. So they're like, he never invites us. <laughs> Such a big deal. <laughs> oh my God. I guess it's, it's really, it's always so funny when I like meet like my dad's drinking buddies, like oh, yeah. my dad's friends. Cause it's just, the worlds you know what i mean and it's yeah. like in my older age i'm like i'm doing less code switching i'm uh -huh. just like you can accept that i'm gay right. you can accept it like yeah. it's like you can accept that i'm not going to uh, necessarily change my syntax but i'm not condescending to you mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like because i feel like a lot of like the reasons why i do a lot of like morphing around like mm -hmm. people of color when i go back to baltimore my family and like their friends is because like i don't want like 
my behavior to make them uncomfortable, to mm-hmm. make them feel like I'm like condescending to them mm-hmm. or like talking down or like using the voice of the white man to speak to them. And it's like, I'm not like, this is just who I am. Like this right. is like from the time that I could decide my fate on who I wanted to be. I wanted to be like the best, like spoken literate person, like for mm-hmm. no other reason besides I like to tell stories and I love to communicate mm-hmm. and like, I can speak both languages. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say I, I like I grew up with not a lot of money in Connecticut, which is interesting because you definitely have to hide not having money. Like that's like a part of survival is just like blending in. That was like that was like my only that's why, by the way, Pen15 is such an intense show because they really get into it. Like I just watched an episode where one of the characters um, is Asian and like has her first experience with like, you know, going to school with mostly white girls who like kind of put her in a corner because of like her background and stuff. But like my whole mentality in like the entire time growing up was like, I just need to stay over here and not have anyone look up and notice. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I lost my train of thought. Um, there's a reason I brought this up. Uh, and that reason is, oh, okay. So when you're talking when you're talking about the code switching thing, it makes me think that like I as a kid, I found it odd compared to the other kids that I knew. A lot of kids I knew were like doing sports and stuff. I really spent a lot of time inside watching TV. Same. That was like my big like yeah. thing. Yeah. I just wanted to be home watching television. And like to a point where I felt like, I don't know, at some point there needed to be an excuse or something like it felt like, oh, if you don't play sports, well, it's cool because you're like watching TV and watching movies all the time, but also smoking weed. Oh, <laughs> like just like making it sound like it's more than it is <laughs> instead of just like being open and like, yes, I like during spring breaks. It was like, I, oh, I also loved soap operas. OK, I watched a lot of soap operas. Like right. I loved watching uh, Sunset Beach Passions. Passions. I don't know. If Passions is. <laughs> crazy are you familiar with passions i'm familiar with passions i absolutely absolutely loved that show <laughs> that show to me had some overlap with fraser just the sort of um dramatic over the top everything yeah there was also a storyline with one of the characters uh where uh there was a princess sheridan who was clearly supposed to just be princess diana uh-huh. um almost dies in a car crash in a tunnel but also they start the show with introducing the fact that she was best friends with diana <laughs> so she almost dies in a car crash princess that sheridan is so messy and here's i can send you these clips and <laughs> and so she hears the voice of diana and it's like sheridan it's not time like no. it's crazy so uh, crazy i think that's i think that's the only reason why like I said passions when you said passions is because I remember it being OOT, no, OTT, over the top. Thank you. OOT <laughs> is out of town. That will be me on Friday. I'm going to LA. No one asked. But um, yeah, yeah, I remember it being so over the top and like yeah. one of my best friends, like always watching it. And yeah. just like we would be on the phone and I would be like, oh my God, what's happening? Well, <laughs> I'd like. House phone was born. <laughs> I would like to think that given what you're saying now, which is just like, you're like, I'm just me now. I truly feel that way with this podcast. It is so oddly specific. Like this was just like an idea I had, I don't know, almost two years ago. And I don't know, I started it for me and no one else. Cause I was like, I would like to, everyone has a podcast. And if I'm going (laughs) to do a podcast, it has to be about something that I just feel like sometimes people 
do shows like or do podcasts and they feel like they have to pick a topic that's quote unquote topical. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can only do something that is truly me. Meaningful to you. And yes. The response has been, in my opinion, overwhelming. overwhelming. Like the because just the fact that you like immediately like you when I when you uh, messaged me, I was on the road uh with I know you know Carolina Teresa, fellow comedian, very funny. And we were doing a show. And I, for she had just been talking about you for some reason in a, in a, in a nice way. Thank you. <laughs> and I, and then you messaged me and just said, can I do your Fraser pad? And I was like, did you, Carolina, did you have something to do with it? She was like, no, no, I didn't have anything to do with it. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was just so amazing to me that despite the fact that you and I didn't really know each other before this, it was just like this. It's the same thing online, by the way. Fraser fandom online is truly breathtaking. Like, yes. I don't know if you've gotten into like I have a full episode just about fan fiction yeah, on this oh show. It is God. completely insane. There is so much fan fiction oh out there, God. like erotic novels, like everything you can it's imagine, a hot show. like spinoffs that people have written. Uh, but then separately, like I'm part of two Fraser fan groups on Facebook that have like ten thousand plus yeah. um, fans each. It's a thing. I think it's I think it's a culty thing because I I always like I mean in the stories that I tell I think that like the more specific you go the more universal like so it's like yes. it's like you draw this really weird story that seems like too good to be true or too mm -hmm. like fantastic to be true and like has some like very like over the top edges and like you know and the characters are dialed up to like the brink of their edges right. of their personalities but that is good that is fun yes. that is life like Love it's it. And it is it's so yeah it's why i reached out because this is yeah. the only thing like that i know that i'm like in reach of that exists and yeah, so yeah. i think, feel it's really special and i know that like for that time that i was watching it was really really blissful to escape into this world mm -hmm. because like that's like my goal like my yeah. like, like like it's like the idea that to be like erudite and to be stylish and to be powerful in the American sense of like mm. class and mm -hmm. station like it is what I'm working for I would not be an artist in New York like like doggedly working in the entertainment industry if I did not envision some sort of supremacy for my life and not white supremacy but just supremacy <laughs> maybe imperialist supremacy uh -huh. like the idea to like own everything and to like and to have access to it and to be able to I guess the word I said indulge I'll say it again indulge in it and like mm -hmm. so there's like a zest for like and a zeal for these things that they're really mm -hmm. that they're obsessed with mm -hmm. and like to combine like the two brothers like zeal like it yeah. just and then like it's just such a great formula and and it always uh what what's also fun about that show the show especially like for example, like I have, so I have a list of episodes that involve them trying to get into places and things yeah. and events. It always blows up in their face. Good TV. But in such a great way, like feels like mathematics. Yeah, great TV. Um, So the first episode I pulled up is called The Club. Um, <laughs> That's the season two, episode 18. So this episode uh, is when Frazier and Niles both try to become members of uh, Seattle's exclusive Empire Club. Club. Oh, no. The Empire. That's... Well, no, this is not a wine club. Separately, there's an episode where they're both trying to become the cork master. The cork master. That is a legendary <laughs> episode. Here, let's go to that one then. They're all legendary. Um, <laughs> Wait, what happens at the Empire Club? Okay, so the so if, at the Empire Club, there's only one vacancy. So they try and sabotage each other yes. at the opening cocktail party. Yeah. There is a grand misunderstanding. One of them gets in and it's 
Frasier, but it was an accident and they meant to let Niles in. <laughs> so then Frasier goes and he's like, take my brother. And then Niles shows up and he's like, I don't want to be a part of your club. And then he finds out, oh, actually he's a part of the club. And then they have to drag him out. And they both get kicked out. Um, I'm curious, is there, I mean, in general, like the industry is its own club, but truly is there like in New York or anywhere a place like that you have always wanted to belong or seems like a magical place? Or a club or a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like comedy, like like sort of fits that. Like I remember, mm. like I was like in, I've been in New York for a bunch of years, and like starting as like sort of like a teen actor, like kind of oh. working on. Broadway. I know when I look, it's like when I look back, I'm like, oh wait, Larry, like that's what we call a child actor. You know what I mean? To me, I was like, because I'm always yeah. like always been 300 pounds and like looked like you know I could be in my 20s, like since I was a kid. That like I sort of like diminished the fact that I was like living and working in New York at like a young age. Yeah, and so so like when I was like you know in my late teens and early 20s I was like I couldn't afford to go to UCB but like I knew there was this like community of people mm-hmm. uh Ooh, that is a club. just like you know like Josh yeah. Josh Sharp Aaron Jackson Josh, yeah you know and like and also like John Early was around at Ars Nova and like Mm-hmm. So like, and there were like these like really really cool like queer people like making art and like mm-hmm. like into my eyes they had access to these stages yeah. and and I didn't really know and like I knew that I was a good performer but I knew that I, I was in a like a musical theater world and mm-hmm. so I like I had no expectations of like joining the club mm-hmm. but I knew that they were like exciting and like doing things and that they also like all ended up on television you know yeah. what I mean I was yeah. so I was like. Oh, I was like, I guess like if I like ever had a chance to like be silly and like uh-huh. do this, like that, like I think I would be good at it and I think everyone would like me, yeah. but it's it, a like, great attitude. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Seriously. I, I mean, you I need just, to I have that like, attitude. I was just like, I feel like it would, I feel like it would work. You know what I mean? Yeah. These, we share the same sensibility and it's like not far off from what I can do. Right. And then, so like, you know, I had to wait a long time. But when the moment was right, the moment was right, you know, yeah, and so I'm yeah, so yeah. glad that like I wasn't like, you know, like sort of like a sycophantic, like young, you know what I mean? Kid like yeah. trying to like I sort of like met everybody when I was like ready to really play. Love it. So that's a club. And Broadway is like it's truly, truly elitist club. Like you have to like there's it's so hard. Mm. I mean, unless you're unless you're two things, unless you're like a, a white person or a dancer. Like it's like that's the or easy a white way. dancer. Oh, my God. Then you'll, <laughs> you'll never stop. But um, or a black person that's willing to do maybe 1960s Jim Crow work in a musical Boy. or play like a version of a magical slave, like the plant little shop of horrors or the genie oh. and Aladdin. Those are like my roles. You know what okay. I mean? That, that people would say, you yeah. know, and I'm like, no, because I'm a Frasier. Right. You're a Frasier. So I want to do Sondheim on Broadway. So it's like, so like if I could break into like the Sondheim club, like, mm-hmm. and I've been working like ages, like of just like perfecting the canon of like mm-hmm. making sure that if I'm ever, ever in the opportunity, like, have the opportunity to do this work in front of Stephen Sondheim mm-hmm. or like to like have like my shot, like that I, mm-hmm. that there's that no one could say. Cause like there is like for me, even though theater is really subjective and it's all bred about like things like type and things like that. For me, I like to quantify what I can. I like to make certain things mathematics. So I'm like in performance, mm-hmm. what says like objectively that I conquered that performance. So with Sondheim, it's so many words, mm-hmm. it's so many lyrics, like, and you have to like stay on the music, you have to sing the pitches correct. Mm-hmm. So I've been like making a sort of a standard of excellence around the lyric the lyric deployment as well as like the musicality mm-hmm. so that I can get into that club. 
I mean, it sounds like you're honestly doing a better job than Frasier and Niles. Because I feel like for them, <laughs> they do have this like intense imposter syndrome. And then often it just blows up in their it face. It blows up in their face. But like you had the plan, you've got the talent. Like it's not like a it's not an act. Yeah. It's real. Yeah, it's real. So, I think that's just the I think that's the main difference is that it's real. And yeah. I think that like if it was fake, I don't think that anything would be working well in my life. And yeah, and like and I and I, despite being a comedian, well, as we all know, like comedians are really just tragedians, you know what I mean? So Absolutely. it's like I've like never Broken, thought of sick people. We never are. thought about <laughs> myself as like a comic because as anyone listening to this podcast can attest, I'm a very, very serious person <laughs> with a lot of trauma and a lot of detritus in my soul that I am unpacking every day. What's detritus? Trash. Oh, see, so yeah, you use you you have some nice big words. Got some Fraser words, baby. Those are definitely Fraser words. That's why words. that's why I'm like, I recognize <laughs> you. I'm like, say that. You know what I mean? Like when like when Fraser's going off and when he's popping off and like and like it's from the off and like I like detritus is like actually this most specific word that I can use to describe the trash on yeah, my yeah, soul. Yeah. Like trash is too simple. Detritus is more complicated. So like fancy I, trash. So you fancy trash. <laughs> and that's why I chose it. Yeah. So like I really, really do, you know, like Niles and Fraser, I like so sympathize with like not just who they are, but also with how people receive them. Oh, I love this. See, I again, I didn't fully know what to expect, but I knew it's like no one who does my podcast ever comes in here like half ass with nothing like, to everyone say. Everyone <laughs> always has like their very like passionate take. Yes. It's unbelievable to me. Yes. We love, we stand a specific show. You should also listen to, there's an episode I did called Ladies Love Fraser. I had women, specifically women, call in and leave voicemails explaining why they loved the show. Oh, my God. It got, like, heartfelt. Oh, my God. That's um, a must listen. Like, I mean, I won't get into specifics, but I'll just say that somebody on, uh, somebody who called in essentially said they were going through something extremely traumatic through a lot of their childhood and that the show got them through this difficult time. I just was like, holy shit. Like, it was like... Oh, it was it was heavy. It was heavy, but it was beautiful. Um, OK, I so continuing on with this list, you did bring up Wine Club, which is next on my list. And it is called Wine Club, W-H-I-N-E, because it's a smart, snappy show. Um, definitely one of my favorite episodes. Season seven, episode 17. Um, Frasier. Uh, so Frasier and Niles or Niles is trying to become cork master of the wine club the prestigious wine club uh and oh no fraser fraser wants to become cork master then niles's girlfriend mel who is essentially maris do you remember mel uh convinces niles that he should be cork master and then it becomes this like who plays mel wait who who plays mel i have to see her in my head i am on imdb uh jane adams do you know that here i'll show you a picture of her that's Jane Adams. <laughs> yes, wait. She was she was a girlfriend for a while. Yeah, she was around. They she were had engaged. a huge arc. Yes, they, yes, 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 big, yes. She was a big arc. Oh my god. Yeah. So Mel, Mel's like, hey, you should be head of the. I so I only know the word oniophile from Fraser. That's someone who is obsessed with wine. Oh. I use it all the time, mm. especially in front of people who are obsessed with wine. <laughs> it's you know what. I think you would have been really good at, I had a job that very, very, uh, for not very much time in college, I worked at a liquor store 
And I only wish I had had the confidence or your vocabulary to just make up adjectives about wine. Oh, that's yeah, all a you thousand need. percent. Truly. Yeah. It has a really oaky floral full body taste with a sort of, I would say, dystopian after. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> with dude. a dystopian aftertaste. No. So actually, so the <laughs> sherry drinking on the show is really mm. huge. And like, mm-hmm. I like I I I have gone like somewhere and ordered a sherry and absolutely hated my life. It <laughs> is a vinegar. Yeah. It is bad. I've never had it. Oh my God. Well, please go and, and live your <laughs> Fraser life. You have to go and order a sherry at like a nice place. Cause I remember mm-hmm. I was at a nice restaurant. I had like maybe $20 in my checking account, but mm-hmm. I was like, I have to sit here for an hour. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it was one of those like make the world your office sure. situations. Mm hmm. And so I was like, hmm, what can I order? And all the cocktails are $14. Well, a glass of sherry is nine bucks, oh. but I'm sure I'll just sip it. You know what I mean? I'll sip it. Very slow. Very slow. Absolutely. And when, and like the guy was just like, sherry. Like he was like, he was, he was upset that I ordered it. He couldn't believe it. He was like, why would you order this? Do you know what you're ordering? Like all subtextual. He didn't say it, but I felt it in his sure, spirit. But he was like, you're not supposed to want this. And I was like, Bitch, you don't know what I, I like Fraser, bitch. <laughs> I said bitch twice. You know, it's like a bookend. And I proceeded to sip the sherry for an hour and it was terrible. Did you say it was vinegary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm not, I get it doesn't. Well, the other thing too that I found, it was very classic to them, I guess, was just like you that it comes in a certain glass. And that's what I love. Yeah. We love that's... the opulence. We love uh, the pageantry. Now, it sounds like... So, I've never, I feel like you encounter this more, especially in your career and on Broadway. I've never performed on Broadway. Okay. I've done one, one night, benefit for Jude Law, but so thank you. Are there, are there topics that one, that you think one should keep in their back pocket when you are around a bunch of, I don't know, what's the word? Fraser types. (laughs) Fraser types. Yeah. Wine, I feel is is one. Charcuterie. I think... (laughs) I used to work at a cheese shop. That's like my go-to. I, so, I know everything about cheese. I'm okay. Oh, so that's so that's how you that's how you use that's your card. That's my elitism. Your yeah. elitism card. Okay. Whenever yeah. I feel uncomfortable and I feel like I need to impress people that have a lot more money than me or like old and white, I uh-huh. immediately go to cheese and they fucking love it. Yeah. They no, that's a that really really great lane to have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't really have any specific like genres. Mm-hmm. I think it's just um, attitude, mm. and it's just. Never, never look impressed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Never be shocked. So like, so sort of allow them. If you allow people to speak of largesse and you don't register like any sort of shock, they'll continue to do that because they assume that you either are exposed to it or have it yourself. Wow. Yeah. So that really is like kind of the kicker for me. It's sort of the um, crux of my entire uh social climbing is is to just make you make them feel comfortable by never making them uncomfortable so it's like parade your wealth Mm -hmm. actually i want to see it it's valuable for me to see it Mm -hmm. and be up close to it because as poor people we like to believe that certain things don't exist Mm -hmm. we like to believe that like oh no it's only lady gaga or like a celebrity who like lives in like a very lavish way and like doesn't really you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but that's not true there are millions of like of like average people Mm -hmm. who like live these spectacular lives of bounty and so me getting acquainted with like how they operate and how like they it's just like, yeah, the behavior is just to be really chill mm. and 
Yeah, if you're if you're chiller than they are. The chill thing makes sense. It actually it makes me like the the whole like paraded around, yes, but never like never like pointed out. I've I ne- the the most uncomfortable I've ever seen anybody. I was at a fr- like a friend of a friend's house when I was in high school. Like I've only lived in apartments my entire life. This guy, he's from a a wealthy part of Connecticut, lived in like a mansion mm-hmm. I, and I'd never been in one. Mm-hmm. The first weird thing that I do at a wealthy person's house is go to their refrigerator. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed to me. If I see a refrigerator that has the freezer on the bottom, yeah, you're rich. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, a huge <laughs> that's, one that's just two I, doors. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. When, so the, when the, when the doors open, like a, yeah. And like a shift robe bottled water. Like, and, and, and then if it has the thing where you can make the water within the refrigerator again, that's wealth. But I, exclaimed as soon as I walked into his house. I was like, wow, you're really rich, huh? Like, I think I was like 15. <laughs> I've never seen somebody more uncomfortable in oh, my yeah, life. No. It was like saying to a, it was like saying to me, wow, you're, you're really poor. 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 Yeah, but maybe even worse because yeah, people are supposed to be poor. And, oh. and people who are poor earned it. Yeah. But people who are rich, they just happen to be rich. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like you you do what you immediately have to shift the psychology of your worldview in their favor so mm. that you can stay in their world longer. Yeah. And hopefully in my case, long enough to penetrate it and overtopple it. Sure. And not make them feel bad about their wealth. I mean, <laughs> I, if you come and see my comedy act, it's, yeah, yeah, I, now I, now I'm kind of disenchanted. You know, I feel, uh-huh. I feel like other things are keeping me in the room besides my, like, you know, my, like, I don't know, haughty behavior. Sure. You know, I feel yeah, like yeah. I'm offering other things to the room besides just like my ability to make someone comfortable. Absolutely. So it's shifting a little bit. It's yeah, shifting yeah. a lot of bit actually and my interpersonal relationships um and that like yeah like the stuff that i put up with because i was because i because because it was just a huge factor because privilege being a huge factor in my relationships Mm. negatively impacted and because i it ended up making me feel undervalued because Mm. i was always giving allowances for their privilege Mm. but like i don't think that the privileged people were giving allowances for my poverty True. Or as many, or as many, you know? I th- Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think I know what you mean. I feel like in most cases, everyone that I know, or I would say that about myself growing up, like only recently I'm like poor. Yes. I feel like most people want to go for the words middle class. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I have heard the most often. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Everyone always wants to like say that they're in the middle, mm-hmm. which is very interesting to me. I mean, I'm like, no, bitch, started from the bottom. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, will you please recognize like the two, like literally like living under the stress of Pav. Like it just sucks. And so I'm like, applaud me. I've never heard anyone say Pav, which does make it sound kind of cash. Exactly. Yeah. Pav becomes chic. <laughs> Pav lo- becomes posh. I love that. Yeah. Maybe I'll just start <laughs> abbreviating sad things. Oh yeah. Can'ts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can'ts. It's- <laughs> oh God. <laughs> It's rough. Um, so uh, cork master. How does a cork master? So we. So like, what is like the game of of that episode? It's that they're 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 testing the wines. The game. The game is yeah. What ends up happening is a is a showdown of sorts. Yeah. Because uh, uh, inevitably, the, both of them, Niles and Fraser, are both trying to become cork master. So they decide who becomes cork master by making them do a wine like tasting competition. Yes. 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 And it's like you know, it ends up being like a. Oh, I believe it's a Cabernet. No, it's a Merlot. And then 
it's a mix. It ends up being like, it was 65%. And then Niles wins. And it's like a huge point of contention. Oh, as my God. that's so funny. Yes. What do they call it when it's when the wines are mixed? What is it called? Uh, a blend. A blend. A blend. It's a blend. Um, I feel like I give a lot of love to the earlier seasons before season Seven. So I would like to give a shout out to an, a later episode that I'm a big fan of, uh, which is called Door Jam. So this was season 10, season, or sorry, season, yeah, season 10, episode 11. Frazier, I'm just going to read you because I just like the, the synopsis on IMDb. Frazier and Niles become obsessed by a new day spa, first with gaining entry, then gaining access to the spa's exclusive areas. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this episode. But the whole episode is them going from room to room. Yes. The names of the, each spa get more and more ridiculous. <laughs> the gold door, the silver door, the yes. whatever door. I love the show's ability to do that. To just like take one thing and just like heighten, heighten, heighten. And yeah. like as it heightens, like things don't get lower stakes they get higher stakes the things that get things get more realistic as it goes as like the situations and that's just like great comedy writing it's great comedy writing but also makes me think of um spas and also strip clubs why i've never worked in a strip club but a friend of mine was a coat check lady um that was a wild job she told me but she told me that like different names or different rooms charge different amounts of money mm. like there was like the tiger room the I just feel like that is a good way to trick people into thinking that they're part of something special. Absolutely. Just name a room. Yeah. I felt that way in AOL teen chat rooms. Might have been before your time. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I was like, I, I was I was heavily into when I was a teen, if I can just say that I was a teen in, in the teen chat room. Sadly, really feel like half of that was not teens <laughs> who I was you, talking to. You made to. it out. You made it out alive. I, did ma I made it out alive. Never met anyone I talked to online. I think most of, I think most people made it out alive, which is. <sighs> yes. I, I so thankful for that. But they had what I loved about the teen chat rooms was that they had different names. They, there was like the gold room, the silver room. And it just made me feel so special. What was your favorite one? I feel like it was probably like a gold or a silver. Yeah. You loved that. Yeah. And also I was mean. Was there diamond? I think there was probably diamond. Yes, there was definitely diamond. I And also just even thinking back to those conversations, it's like none, none of it was exciting. I didn't know what ASL meant. Do you know what ASL is? Age, sex, location. Yes. So people would go like ASL and I'd be like, yes. Okay. <laughs> and not know what they were talking about. Uh -huh. Sometimes somebody, yeah. I didn't know what cyber sex was. The point is I got out. It was fine. Yeah, you made it here. We're, we're talking, so. We're talking. It all worked out. <laughs> yes. I think, yeah, that's a great levels. Like when you're just like, hmm. Um, Would you like to upload to update? Then upload, update. Oh my God, what is it called? Upgrade. <laughs> upgrade. Uh, Would you like to upgrade to platinum? Uh, oh, platinum. Oh, platinum's the best. <laughs> I when so at the cheese shop. Uh, so I worked for I worked at a cheese shop. That was like my first job ever when I was like 15. Um, I did that all through high school. I worked at a cheese shop where I grew up called Say Cheese 2, T-O-O, because it was the second of its kind. There was another one yes, in the neighboring yes. town. So we definitely got like a special kind of, you know, older white clientele uh, most of the time. Um, oh, my God. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry, I got very excited. Platinum level? Oh, right. It was the only place, all these cheese shops, because then I worked at cheese shops in New York, including Murray's Cheese, when I came here for college. Have you ever held a Black American Express card? 
Yeah, it's it's heavy. It's thrilling, honestly. Yeah, like heavy. I, I, I'd like to think I never would have fallen into this. Also, I would never, I never had the money for it. Did you watch any of the Firefest documentaries? I watched the Netflix version. So. One of the things that I'm not, I don't even remember his name. Good. I don't want to give him any more attention, but the number one scam artist before Firefest had started like an exclusive club and made credit cards that just look. Yeah. And Billy feel. McFarlane. He yeah. made Magnesis cards. Right. And like, <laughs> I did roll my eyes at it, but I do remember, I still remember being like that visceral moment of I, holding a black Amex being and like 16 and holding that and card. Like, and like, that you it's can't like bend it. Fee, like you cannot bend it. And also like, you must have a certain amount of credit like or whatever to get it that's right it's very important it's very special it's it's symbolic it's physical it's yeah. a full sensory experience that's holding right. up black amex yeah and um i don't know if i'll get the chance again um but um you know i can hope and i can dream okay <laughs> patreon do your thing <laughs> uh before uh we wrap up i want to bring up one more episode um just because i feel like we've gone through clubs uh, and spas. But uh, one of my favorite episodes is one where fathers or sons and father come together and bond over the antique roadshow. <laughs> Do you remember there's an episode where they all. This, this is like the one that like is escaping me, but I just, I, from a writer's room perspective, I'm like, this is hilarious. I'll tell you all about it. It's fine if you don't remember it. But essentially, uh, all three of them realize that they love the show Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> they start watching it together. They're Intersectionality. Like, they're playing a, like a drinking game where every time somebody says veneer, they take a drink. It's very <laughs> cute. Martin, uh, so they decide to go to the Antiques Roadshow and Martin has like a clock, like a very silly looking clock. It's like a bear holding a clock. And it turns out that it's worth something. So then Fraser and Niles find out that this clock comes from rush like russian royal a russian royal dynasty they get very excited because they think that they are now part of this dynasty <laughs> turns out they are not turns out they are uh related to a maid who stole the clock <laughs> and are completely devastated absolutely we dead. all just want to be royalty oh my god i would love to be we royalty. all just like secretly like i want to like i would never do a 23 and me you don't need yeah. my dna government but like <laughs> you know just be told like i'm the prince of wakanda like please yeah. thank you or even like i mean perhaps this is something you've encountered i don't know but i don't as of this moment, I don't believe I have any very wealthy friends, like, you know, like uh, the kind of wealth that they wouldn't speak of. Like every, okay. most people I know are in debt, Okay, <laughs> including the ones that have well-paying jobs. Mm -hmm. But it would be nice. I'd like to know like one extremely wealthy person. Yeah. I mean, I have a bunch of those and uh, you're good. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I'm a big fan of um, apocalypse movies and it does seem like the people that tend to get out and escape or get like, you know, the last ticket into the underground yeah. bomb shelter are very wealthy. Yeah. Have one yeah I'm on working really, really hard. I mean, I was just at the library this morning. I'm going to go and keep continuing writing after this podcast yeah. because I have to make a certain amount of money <laughs> next six years so uh -huh. that when the environment sucks. Right. We can, you know, I can buy a hover dome for my mom. Move. I mean, like in my head, it's going to be where it's going to be the Jetsons. 
And there's already a movie like that starring Matt Damon. Space I think. race. Yeah, we're doing space race. Rich people live in the skies. Okay. Above the pollution. I don't know. Will it work out? I'm hoping I get up there. You'll be up there. We'll both be up there. Yeah, as long as there's a fucking TV studio. <laughs> like, as long as we can continue making episodes of television. And to, podcasts. And podcasts. Yeah, we need one good studio lot and I'll move. Yeah, exactly. So, uh. I think we're we're at the end uh, of this lovely, lovely episode. Um, but one very important thing to mention is that Larry Owens is going to be uh, joining me as a musical guest uh, on the live taping of my podcast at Caveat in New York City on March 27th. Are you excited? Larry? Yes, I am. I will be performing. I am so excited. Oh, my I, God. Like, live show. I didn't think that music would get to be a part of this. And so this is like taking it to another level. Oh, my God. And Thanks for having me. I mean. Honestly, I'm feeling as confident as you when you were saying, and this this is something I need to work on, but I'm actually, this specific show, I feel so confident about that I'm going to get so many people to come to this podcast. Hell yeah. Thing. I'm like so pumped and feeling so confident about it. It's so nice to feel that way. Yes. When it finally happens. Yeah, baby. Um, so, uh, but, but in general, where can people follow you? Follow me online at Larry Owens Live. Uh, it's fun Instagram stories. I post when I have shows. Yes, I'm on Twitter. And I um have seen I've I've fo- I've followed you on Instagram and I've definitely caught up on some really crazy Insta stories um that I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, this is a stories account. Yeah, this is it's it's amazing. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> well, Larry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And I look forward uh to seeing you on my show uh. On March 27th at 9 p.m. at Caveat in New York, tickets are available online. Oh, right. And okay. And so, okay. So, Larry, thank you for being here. And (laughs) sorry, I just really just lost my train of thought because I got so excited. Um, Until next time, good night, Seattle. 